Welcome to OtoMentor, the podcast that provides mentorship for your otolaryngology career. I'm your host, Christina Cabrera-Muffley. All opinions expressed in this podcast are my own or my guests and do not express the views or opinions of my employer. Welcome to episode 10, Navigating the Couples Match in Otolaryngology. Today, I'm excited to be joined by two guests, Libby Bosco and Taylor Gilliland, who are both current residents at the University of Colorado. Libby graduated from the University of Colorado Medical School and is currently a third-year resident, while Taylor graduated from Baylor College of Medicine and is currently a second-year resident. Both of them have partners who are also doctors, and each of them went through the couple's match process. Libby's partner, Jake, matched into anesthesia, and Taylor's partner, Taylor, matched into orthopedic surgery. By the way, many of our residents and my colleagues refer to me as CCM since my last name is a mouthful, so you will hear that on this episode. Hi, Libby and Taylor. Welcome to the show. So let's start with some background. How did each of you decide on otolaryngology as a specialty? Libby, let's start with you first. I knew going into medical school that I wanted to do ENT. I think initially I told people that I was keeping my options open, but if I actually look back, I'd already decided I had studied speech, language, and hearing sciences in college and so had had some exposure to the field and therefore in medical school kind of took opportunities to get more exposure and confirmed that I liked the specialty and, and ultimately made the decision to be an otolaryngologist. I knew pretty early on in my clinical rotations that I really liked surgery. So that was decisive. And then part of our rotations, we had surgical subspecialty weeks, and I had two weeks of ENT. And I discovered I really liked the problems in the clinic, and I really enjoyed the surgery and the anatomy. And so I just went with it, and it kind of stuck. Well, I'm glad you saw the light. It's a great field. So this episode is about couples matching, and both of you had had very different experiences with the couples match, and I really appreciate both of you giving your insights on this. So let's set that stage. How did each of you meet your partner? Yeah, Jake and I are what you might call high school sweethearts. So we met each other between our junior and senior years of high school, went to separate high schools, but met each other um, on an international trip came home, started dating, went to college together, and then went to medical school together, and the rest is history. Taylor and I met in med school. We actually were both part of this like workout crew in the mornings before class would start first year, and we studied the same spot, coffee shop in the afternoons and things like that, and that's how we got to know each other. And I have to point out that your name is Taylor, and your partner's name is Taylor, and you're from Baylor, which we found hilarious during the interview process. Uh, I never just, thought of that before. Just pointing that out. That's just... Yeah, we, I was Taylor from Baylor. It was great. <laughs> it stuck, but it was always fun to figure out in the interview process who caught on that like we both had the uh-huh. same possible same name because his middle name is actually Taylor, but he goes by Taylor. It was always kind of fun. Yeah, very yeah. fun, very interesting. So when did you each decide during medical school that you were going to couples match with your partner? For Jake and myself, we decided to get married between first and second year of medical school. So thinking back on it, we never really had the conversation of whether or not we were going to couples match. I think signing the marriage certificate ensured that that was, I guess, the conversation. Um, and we it was always just implied that we would couples match together. Makes sense. I don't know. I don't remember like when in third year we had decided. I believe it was before the spring because I remember we were at a coffee shop and we were like already discussing. Um, At that point, we were still boyfriend and girlfriend and that we were serious about staying together and like what that would look like in the couples match process. And so at some point, I think early in the third year, we did. 
And then how did you decide where to apply? And did you do anything special? Like, did you do away rotations together to make those decisions about where you were going to try to cast your net? Jake and I are both from Denver, and all our family is here. So in thinking about where we wanted to apply, we sort of ruled out location as options because we didn't have any ties anywhere else and we didn't know anywhere else. So we went into the process agreeing that we would keep an open mind and kind of look all over. We had both talked with our mentors and our specialties separately and been given the advice that we should try away rotations, especially as a way to maybe just see what else was out there and to show that we were potentially willing to move out of this area that we had grown up in. And so we started that process. We both did away rotations, but at separate places. I did mine at University of Chicago. He did his at University of Pennsylvania. And both of those were a little bit One, we picked cities that had multiple programs as ways for potentially further on that we could have multiple sites and options. And then also were places that ultimately just let us know early on in the process that we had a spot and so made the decision to do in a way there easy. We had heard about the couples match process before we had started it. I don't think we fully appreciated how difficult it was going to be just because other couples before at Baylor were very successful in the process. I had met someone at Baylor for ENT who had matched who was ENT and her significant other was orthopedics and he ended up not matching ortho. And so we kind of knew going in this would be a little different than the status quo for couples matching. And so we had actually discussed one of us not doing ENT or ortho. And we talked about him doing IM and like a sports medicine route or me taking a year off and doing an MPH or something and then reapplying. So we had discussed all of those things kind of going into it. And then we had decided to just kind of go for it. The away process, I felt like we just had talked to our respective people in the program, residents that we were friends with in terms of like where they had gone in the past. And that's basically what I modeled my choices after. I ended up doing Northwestern in Chicago because Chicago has a lot of programs there. And so that was like a good option for us. Taylor ended up not getting his away rotations in Chicago because their requirements for their away rotations was a little more stringent. And so um, I ended up doing that in Boston as well. I went to Boston Children's and he ended up doing rotations that had been recommended to him, which ended up being in different cities. So he did one at JPS, which is in Fort Worth, we're both from Texas. And then he really loved Colorado and wanted to come to Colorado. So he actually did in a way in Colorado. Um, and then he had a third rotation booked, I think, somewhere in Ohio, because Ohio has quite a few programs, especially for orthopedics. But his dad ended up getting sick and we ended up canceling that away rotation. And it's interesting, you know, from the, if you look at the statistics from the match, right? So it's clearly not individual experiences, but if you look at the statistics, people that couples match actually do better on average than people who don't couples match as far as ratios of matching. The problem is that that includes all comers, right? So it includes people that match like you both did with very competitive specialties for both partners and also people that are both family medicine, for example, which, you know, is less, much less competitive in general. Yeah, I would add 
so when Jake and I were starting this process, he was actually orthopedics. And so we we met with a lot of people regarding the couples match and had been given, you know, some information about how couples match goes. And one of that was, you know, if you do ENT and ortho, it's likely that you won't match together. And lucky for me, Jake ultimately decided that he was happier with anesthesia because we had had a very similar conversation about does one of us, you know, back down or something like that. And we made the decision that we would both go for what we were both interested in. And our situation was a little bit different because we ha- we were already married. So we sort of, from a relationship standpoint, had already kind of made that decision to be together, even if that meant we had to be separate for a while. But I think that ultimately made a difference in our couples match. And in terms of doing away rotations, Jake's away rotation for anesthesia, they don't typically need to do away rotations. And so this was more to kind of help our couples match versus the orthopedics route. They have to do many, many away rotations. And so it's hard to navigate that on both parts. Yeah. And it's hard to say in retrospect, like, should we, should we have done the same city, right? Like, I don't know if we should have done the same program or the same city or even was it more beneficial to do different cities and like trying to spread your reach uh, to this day I couldn't tell you you know what would be more beneficial for other applicants right because you guys are now separated yes. right so uh, spoiler alert Taylor and Taylor are in different cities and that's very difficult for different sure. states, <laughs> different states <laughs> yes so um, as you started as the interview offer started rolling in did you try to coordinate interviews? I mean, not clearly not date-wise, but more like city-wise. Did you reject certain ones because they didn't match up, or did you just try to interview everywhere you could? Yeah, so for us, again, in our situation, we were lucky um, in that the anesthesia interview season is very, very long. So Jake started getting interviews and was able to push everything to the last possible interview date to allow for me to find out if I was going to get interviews in those states or not. And we actually did a fairly good job of lessening what we called wasted interviews. So when he was doing his away at University of Pennsylvania, he was obviously on the East Coast and he got a few interviews in New York, which he took because we assumed there's many, many programs in New York, I would at least get one. Um, I ended up not getting any interviews in New York. So <laughs> those were his three wasted interviews that we say. But then the rest of them, we all we interviewed at all of the same places, or at least same locations. And so that worked for us. But I know that a lot of programs don't have as much flexibility in terms of their interview season. For example, ENT, it's, you know, one or two interview dates. And I assume ortho is very similar to that. So you may not have that luxury. Yeah, I guess to rewind back a little bit, because I didn't answer the question about how did we decide where to apply, I applied everywhere. (laughs) Um, The people I had talked to before had ended up applying to like all 100 ENT programs. I decided not to apply to that many because I wanted to be more specific and try and strategically think about where we could go. So we did it based on location as well. You know, like I had said, Chicago is a great city for locations. Ohio has a lot of programs. Um, And we had mapped everything out in terms of distances and flights. And we had a crazy Excel sheet in terms of this. So so we could understand, like, was it worth applying to a particular program in a location if we couldn't eventually find a way to, like, matrix our way to each other? So I ended up, we also ended up not applying to cities like New York and San Francisco, because if you look at actual distance between programs in New York, you're talking about like a one to two hour commute. And in residency, we knew that was going to be really difficult. And in San Francisco, we were like, the programs are actually not near each other and they're very competitive. And so 
And that's how we had kind of said, you know what, we are willing to go to Vermont and Gainesville and a lot of other places that I think some uh, applicants from certain big cities wouldn't necessarily consider. And so we wanted to focus our application in that sense. So that's how we approached it. And then I created an insane calendar and had penciled in all of the listed interview dates of each program I had applied to that had them listed from prior years or that year. And as interviews came in, I accepted every single interview that came in. ENT's interview season's a little earlier than orthopedics. Both of them are limited in that they only have, you know, three interview dates. And so I kept every single one until about two to four weeks before the interview date on most of them. And I would release them as we figured out that he wouldn't get an interview. We emailed programs, we called programs about getting him interviews and myself interviews. And I ended up interviewing at half as many of the programs I interviewed at, he did ended up not getting an interview. So we had 19 combinations of same cities, um, but I ended up interviewing at a lot of programs that we ended up not having like a same city option. I guess you could say I had a lot of wasted interviews, but I don't like to view it as that. I view it as it was an opportunity for me to see other programs, to network and to try and get him interviews because I was sometimes lucky and after I would interview, he would then automatically get an interview from the other program. It wasn't common, but it did happen. Yeah. So talking about that, so as program director, I get emails from people who are couples matching and sometimes it's from the person who is actually applying and says, hey, my partner got an interview with you, you know, can you reach out to so-and-so to ask them? Sometimes it's actually from other program directors who reach out and say, hey, we really like this person. Would you consider interviewing this other person? It's always a little tricky and awkward because sometimes the application is not a great fit for our program. And sometimes, you know, we've already sent out our invites. Did either of you send out emails like that? Did you have contacts that were advocating for you in that vein? Yeah, I don't I don't know about contacts advocating for me, but I was told that, you know, what's the harm in reaching out? If you don't already have the interview, the worst they can say is no. And Jake and I actually got probably two or three, maybe even more interviews out of that. Um, a lot of times he would find out first that he was got an interview in a certain city or at a certain program. And there's about three that I can remember where I emailed them and said, hey, my husband has this interview, you know, on this date, we're couples matching, we're very excited about your program. And I got offered an interview on the same date. So we were actually able to travel together, which I would say is a rarity. And then there were a few other times where I could say, oh, my husband interviewed, he really liked this program, we're very interested, and I got the offer. And then there's were probably about a handful where I did that, and they said, sorry, we've already issued our interview invites. And then Jake backed out, you know, saying that it wasn't going to be an option for, for us. Yeah, I had talked to previous people who had couples match and who had kind of said similarly, what's the harm? So we had each had this template that we used and we contacted every single program that we both got interviews at. And like Libby had said, there were some that I got and some that he got. It was very few. It wasn't many, but it we, we attempted it. I don't know if it helped a ton, but we tried. <laughs> and then I think, too, for those ones during the interview day, I had, you know, the program director say to me, oh, you're you know, your husband interviewed or something like that. And I think it was a way to kind of talk a little bit more about why I might be interested or kind of how I got my foot in the door. 
So I would encourage everybody to reach out. I don't think as long as you do it in an appropriate fashion, I don't think there's any harm in it. Yeah. We didn't have um, any program directors or mentors reach out to programs for us. Um, I had my mentor at Baylor had offered that for me, but I think it was difficult for us to decide because when you're an applicant in a competitive specialty, you're just like, I will go wherever they will take me. <laughs> and you know, there wasn't like, I, I didn't want him to reach out to multiple programs. I would only want him to reach out to one program that I was like 100% interested in, but I didn't feel that strongly, sorry, CCM, mm-hmm. about any one program <laughs> in the interview process. And so we had deferred con- having our uh, dean and program director and program chair and mentors reach out for us because just we didn't feel like it was appropriate. Yeah. From a program director standpoint, mentoring people going through the couples match, I would say that there's no harm in it. I agree with you. I think the ethics of reaching out to multiple programs and saying that they're your favorite is a little bit insincere and and not great. But if you have one or two programs that you are seriously interested in, I don't think it's negative to ask someone to advocate for you. We, We have interviewed people pretty much every year at this program who were advocated for by someone who knew them very well and who we had a connection to, you know, either a previous alumni or someone that we had worked with before. And we've had some great recommendations that way. Can you give a brief overview of how the match list process works? Because it's much more complicated than the regular match list, right? Yeah. So in the regular match list, you if you interview at 17 programs, you can rank 17 programs in whichever order you would like. And if there's a program you don't want to go to, you don't have to rank that. In the couples match, you can rank every possible combination, including you can choose um, one of those couples to go unmatched. So you are allowed up to 700 combos. For Jake and myself, actually, it became a little bit trickier because anesthesia has a prelim year. So it became a triples match. And we decided early on that we were not going to focus on the prelim year. And Jake knew that. And so he really focused his interviews only on the categorical anesthesia match because we just didn't have the bandwidth to look at a further, you know, intern year. But we ended up ranking all 700 possible combinations. So we maxed out our list. And at the end of that, Jake made the decision to go unmatched. So the the last 17 were just my list. And I think there was one program that Jake interviewed at that he ultimately decided he would never want to go to. And so we did not rank that program. I think the key thing to stress is that I remember talking to my friends about the process and they were like, oh, you just each rank your, you know, top 10 programs of each one and that's how it submits it but they link your one and your one and your two and your two and so you have to decide as a couple what's your number one combo what's your number two combo it's not so much what your favorite program is and so we utilized every combination we did we had like an excel sheet to confirm that we did every single Mm -hmm. combination and ours ended up being 325 combinations once you included every single school we didn't eliminate any programs Um, and then at the end of that list he was matching and i was unmatching because we know orthopedics is a much more competitive program and so it was more important to us that he match than i match 
Yeah, and every couple has to make that decision individually. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds like a logistical nightmare to have those conversations. Yeah, I think having one partner who is good at Excel is key. And that was Jake for us because I am <laughs> computer illiterate. But I would also encourage each partner, and this was some advice that I received, to make your lists separately. And so Jake and I both made a list of the programs that we had matched at without consulting each other. And then lucky for us, actually, we had a lot of overlap in terms of places that we really liked and programs that we really liked. I think that conversation becomes much more difficult if your number ones are across the country, and then maybe you need to do some other reevaluation. But I think it's important that you as an individual, because part of it is still an individual match, that you make sure your list and for your training is being prioritized as well. Yeah, we had, um, during the interview process, kept our own list and our own comments about each program we had interviewed in and had our own rank list for our own interview process. And so it was really helpful when we went to make the combinations because we were able to look at what we both had, you know, said as our top programs and try and make a combination that would make us both happy in the same location. But obviously, it just kind of depends what you prioritize. For Jake and myself, there's many more anesthesia programs than ENT programs. And so he basically started by weeding out places that didn't have ENT programs. Um, and that narrowed his list. And then I had decided that I didn't wasn't interested in programs that only took one resident a year. So that narrowed down a little bit. And then there were a few other programs just based on, you know, prestige or something where I had been counseled maybe wouldn't have been a great fit for myself. And so I sort of weeded those out. And then we applied to basically every other program, kind of like you guys. And I think as couples, it's important to stay broad. Um, I tell a lot of people that a lot of the interviews I got were places I wouldn't have expected to have gotten interviews at. And I'm glad I took the opportunity to go and see them. A lot of them were in the South. I didn't know what myself as like a Denver girl said to, you know, make Southern programs like me. But I, I thought it was a good opportunity and, you know, interesting for me to go see those that part of the country in those programs. And so I tell a lot of medical students, you know, don't limit your list solely based on location or where you think you might get interviews because you never know. In terms of making the combinations for the list. So as I alluded to, Jake and I made our list separately. Luckily, we had a lot of overlap. And so we then decided in our first 10 combinations, we had a lot of conversations about, but ultimately we wanted to make sure that every single one of those were places that we would feel really good about. And then as we got sort of lower down on the list, obviously we were maybe not as happy, but then it became purely location-based. So after we had our, our really strong combos, we started making combinations of what were the closest, you know, oh, these are just drives, these are train rides, these are plane rides, these are direct flights, these are indirect flights. So the end of our list became, you know, places that were indirect flights, <laughs> multiple stopovers. Because at that point, you know, when you're looking at number 437 or 289. At that point, you're just looking at matching and you want to match, but you also still want to know that you can at some point see your other person. Ours was the exact same way. Thank goodness for Jake and Taylor because they had done all the research in terms of non-stops, how many stops, what would the travel look like, but we had prioritized same city. 
that was like our top choices. And then from there, we moved to the short distance options of your four hour drives or one hour flights um, that would be doable for weekends and just kind of kept going down that way. And so that's why it was really useful having our own separate list because then we were able to figure out the best combo and compromise. And I think we figured out through that whole process that um, the couples match definitely teaches you how to communicate if you didn't know how to communicate before in a relationship. We knew going into this process, we were committed to each other, but I think the whole process confirmed that for us. And so... Yeah, it's like premarital counseling. It was. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because people are like, oh, you know, now you're distance and you're getting married. And it's like, yeah, but if right. I can go through the couples match process, we're fine. Yeah. As an aside, I actually went through a couples match, sort of. Back then, ENT wasn't in the regular match. It was early. And so we did the same process that you've been describing so far, but we couldn't actually put our list together in together. And so I put in my list based on conversations with him about what he preferred matched in January and then he put in his list in February and ended up we ended up together. Yeah, and so I know some people at my program who they prioritize their couples match and they based it based on, you know, where they wanted to go more so than like location and how far they'd be apart. Like there was a couple that matched to St. Louis and Connecticut. And so I think you'll just have to talk a lot with your partner and decide what's important to the both of you. And um, it may play a role how long your program is as well, your residency. And we knew for five years, that would be a long time. I would also add initially when you submit the application, you check a box that says your couple's matching. Um, And that theoretically shows up on your cover sheet for programs, although programs don't always know that that box is checked. So I think it's important that in your interview, you tell them that your couple's matching, but that box is non-binding. So just because you check that couple's box does not mean that you have to submit your lists together. So until you actually click submit on your rank lists, the entire process is a theoretical one. And I had classmates who went through the whole process thinking they were going to couple's match only to decide at the end that they were not going to couple's match. And that, I think, is okay in a conversation that each couple has to have. So don't be afraid of the little box. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah, you'll hear plenty of people who end up not couples matching in the end, or they couples match and they break up and things like that. But Yeah. yeah. So this is where your paths diverged, right? So Libby, you, know, you and Jake ended up staying here. Taylor, you ended up being in different cities. Can you speak to what that was like? How has that been while you've been in residency? Yeah, I think for us, it's worked out really well. Jake and I were both born and raised in Denver and went to high school here and so and then college and some people tell us we need to get out. But from a residency standpoint, it's worked really well for us. We come from very strong close-knit families and all of our families and siblings, nieces and nephews are here. So that's been really helpful for us, especially when one of us is working and the other's not. We can, you know, go over to one of our parents' house and be fed or something like that. Again, I think every couple and family is different. And I know people, certainly some of my friends who couldn't possibly stand being that close to their family. Um, But that was always something that was important to us. I think it's also helped us in whether or not you're in the same location or not, just going through residency together as a couple, you have a kind of shared understanding of what it's like to work the amount of hours that you work or to come home and not want to talk about your day, but just sit on the couch in silence together. And I think all of those things are have been really beneficial for us. Match day, we were pretty hopeful. Nobody tells you you're not going to match, right? So we were both very hopeful that we would both 
had ended up in the same city because we knew on that Monday that we were uh, had matched both of us and we knew that was an accomplishment because I remember I had alluded to I had met several people on the trail who had couples match ENT ortho before me and one of them always didn't match I I only met one couple that managed to couples match ENT ortho the first year that they had done it so opening up that envelope was it was just terrible <laughs> I cried for many days the beginning of residency was hard I was I was sad Taylor and I had lived together fourth year, and that was such a joy. And to have that removed from me and to be living alone was difficult. But I was really grateful um, for my family. That's really what pulled me through in the first year. I was angry by the whole process and the couples match in medicine because you meet so many people who end up being in different places. His family and my family have both been just like utterly supportive, and that's been really what got me through the first year. Um, it also helps that I have friends here. I actually have one of my best friends from college lives here, and so she's been a great support system. And then uh, my co-residents have been really wonderful. One of my co-interns at the time, her husband and her now, they were distance all of medical school, and they were a greater distance than one than the one-hour flight from here to Kansas City. And so she would just let me come over anytime and cry or talk or complain and that was definitely a post to like lean on and I definitely appreciated that and then I think we're also very grateful that our first year of residency is not as difficult as our second year we get six months of other rotations like anesthesia and radiology and that made it really easy for us to travel and see each other every two to three weeks and um, that made it a lot better and so I felt like with the support of my family and my friends and my co-residents. I think after the first six months, you just get used to it. I feel pretty used to it at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like part of my day. I don't think you forget it because, you know, every day is a constant reminder when you get home. But, um, you know, we talk all the time. And uh, now that we're into second year, we take a lot more call and life is a little rougher. So we're only going to see each other probably every four to six weeks, but it's still doable. We spend the money and we spend the time to do it. It's kind of interesting. You'd think with a one hour time difference, it wouldn't be a big deal and you'd be able to talk all the time. But um, there are some tough rotations where you, and there's days where we can't talk. And I just call my dad. <laughs> Taylor talked a little bit about match day and I'll say my match day was actually a different experience because Jake did not match for prelim year. So Monday we found that out. I got an email saying I matched and he got an email saying you matched, but, and so we so can give you, they tell you that it was for the prelim spot. It, yes. They don't leave you hanging and say you didn't match. Right. Okay. So his email said, congratulations, you matched to categorical anesthesia, but you didn't match for a prelim year. And we were actually up in Vail at the time. We'd made that whole week before match day, we'd gone up there. So Jake came down that morning and was like, hey, Libby, we got to go. Because we knew that there was a possibility we had to drive down to Denver. So we came down to Denver. And even though we had prepared for this, because I had said before, we sort of made the decision that he would not really focus much of his energy on prelim years. It was a lot of stress to be like, oh, my God, what does this mean? Like, you can't even if you've matched for categorical anesthesia, if you don't have an intern year, you can't really do that residency. What happens is they'll tell you in the couples match if one of you doesn't match where your partner matched to city wise. They won't tell you program. So we found out on Monday that we matched here because uh, there's only one program in Colorado. Right. So we got the the message that, you know, he had matched to Aurora. And oh, by the way, your couple also matched to Aurora. So 
it's interesting. It was interesting for us. And then thinking back on it, because we had processed, we had a whole week to process our emotions. And so on match day, I was just very much excited. And I had a lot of friends who were maybe not as excited when they opened up their envelope. And I remember being thinking, what's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> only to only to realize that I had had a whole week to process my emotions. And that I already knew and we didn't tell anybody. So we left it, you know, our parents still didn't know we let them open the envelopes and have that excitement. But I remember on the Monday, I was wedding dress shopping for one of my friends. And I actually was like in the bathroom. I was so stressed that we were going to match. And we got the email that we matched. And the rest of the day was good. And we got away as well. We went to Galveston for the week. And uh, because I just couldn't be around the rest of the med school. And I had nightmares, gosh, like months leading up to match day. But we were just hopeful. We went to match day because we wanted to we didn't want to be the people that didn't show up. We wanted to experience it. We didn't want to regret it because you didn't know what was going to happen. That's stressful. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember those days, too. I remember opening the envelope that my husband had matched in the same city where I had already knew that I had matched. And that was a crazy day. Lots of emotions. So if you had to do it again, knowing what you know now, would you couples match again? I would. For us, it was never really much of a discussion. Um, Jake and I knew that our relationship was kind of sound and we were already married at that point. And so when we had had a lot of conversations, too, about, you know, if we were separate and we had to do five years apart, we would do five years apart. And I, I would still say that even in the setting that we matched together and thank God we did. If we had to go through it again and we were apart, I would do it again. Yeah, we feel the same way. We 100% would have done it again in the same way that we did it. It was important to us to both do specialties that we're passionate about and to try and end up in the same location. Um, I think what, you know, we've discussed, you know, and now we're, we actually got engaged after the whole couples match process and now we're getting married in a couple months. And so, you know, we're very sound in our relationship. And so we don't feel differently about that. I think what we've discussed more about is what we should have done after we had couples matched. And I actually discussed this with CCM after I came to residency here, here was, well, my dean had told me that you could transfer programs and that if you didn't end up in the same city, you should consider that. And I thought that was going to be a much more of a robust option than we had realized it to become. So in order to transfer to a program, A, ENT doesn't allow that, so <laughs> never mind. <laughs> but B, um, it requires somebody to drop from that program in the same city. And so Taylor's in Kansas City, and there's only one ENT program there. So somebody in my year there would have to quit. (laughs) And so um, the reality of that is slim. We had looked into it for the last for the first year, because we had said, you know, once we get entrenched in our programs, we're going to we're not going to want to like leave our programs like they they've become family for us they've become our program this is where we want to like train and learn but for that first year we felt like you could probably sever ties and start over and so the thing that I didn't really process was like should I have reapplied immediately after matching basically and tried to interview as an intern at Colorado and interview basically only at Kansas and try and match there the second year and just be a year behind Taylor. That was something that I hadn't really thought about. And I thought about it way too late. (laughs) Um, And so CCM and I and I actually had talked about that um, as an option that I didn't really think about. And so we had discussed, well, do we try it again the next year? 
you know, as a second year, do I apply and do that again? And we're like, no, I don't want to do residency for that many years. And um, we've, we're going to make this work and it's going to be okay. You know, we've talked about should have we done the couples match like list different. So we talked about should we have just done same city and then he match and myself not match. And then I reapply the next year in the hopes that we would end up in the same city the second time around. Newsflash, if you didn't know, last year for ENT, it was even more competitive than the year I applied. And so I am very grateful that I didn't consider that option just because that would have sucked. And I don't know if I would have matched the second time around, let alone, you know, matched to Kansas. But I guess I would have tried to like done an away rotation there and then, you know, solely tried to match there essentially. But I just think your odds for doing that, it's putting a lot of weight in one program if, you know, they end up being in a city, in a state or a city where there's only one program around. So in the end, I think it worked out as best as it could have, I guess, for the two of us. You know, obviously you think about all the ways you could have done better to be plugged into your home programs or done away rotations better or had a better application. I think you're always going to like think about that, but hindsight's like 2020 in a lot of ways. Um, I do know on the interview trail, when I talk to people about couples matching, the most successful ones are the ones that stay at their home program. And so we knew going into it, we we didn't have the bet. We weren't both plugged in as well as we could have been for a home program to be able to like match there. We still put it in our like top choices because we knew the home programs was going to be our best shot. But, you know, that's something that people had told me and anecdotally, you know, we knew an orthoderm person who matched their home program. And so maybe that's something we could have done a better job of. But we're happy now. (laughs) I think you you bring up good points, though, in terms of conversations that need to be had when you're going through this process. And one of those is the possibility of matching one person and not matching the other person and then having that person go through it again the next year. But it is a very real possibility, as you said, that you may not match the next year. And so those are, I think, conversations that'll differ between each pair and each partner. You know, you've gone through 20 years of schooling to get to this point to the not matches. Yeah, it's almost like what do you do? Decide what you value the most. I mean, you know, you should be able to have both. You should be able to have a family and you should be able to have a career. And what happens sometimes is that you can't have both at once. Yeah, I think Jake and I, we tell a lot of people, it's the couples match. The unfortunate thing is that I think it puts a lot of strain on relationships, potentially before they're ready to make that decision for so while Jake and I were married, you know, you guys were not married. So it could have gone the other way for you, or it was making you have these conversations that maybe you weren't ready to have yet about what your lives were going to look like, you know, and so for people who are just starting to date fourth year of medical school, and now they have to decide, are you going to match together or spend your life together? It's kind of their early conversations that need to be had. And it's, that's a little bit unfortunate, I think, from the pressure of medicine. Yeah, we're going to be more distance than we are together by the time we're done with residency, which is kind of wild. But yeah, we had originally decided that I was not going to match. That was actually our original decision process was that we would put same city options and he would match and I would not match. It was actually our dean when we discussed this with our dean. He was the one that advised us not to. Because he had said, you know, the two programs were 
you know, very difficult to match into and that you should, you know, be grateful that you both matched. And now, you know, in retrospect, you hear about all the other people who don't match and you start to realize you are lucky that both of you matched. But that was difficult to change your mind such last minute because it was within the, you know, the couple weeks leading up to match like or submitting your rank list that we had switched from me not matching to okay, we're going to do all the different combinations possible. And if we're a distance, we'll we'll just make it work. And just some logistical things that you brought up, Taylor. So when I told you that ENT doesn't allow transfers, so the residency review committee has basically said that they will not approve transfers from program to program unless it's very extenuating circumstances. They're worried about poaching. So if someone drops out of a program... People from other programs that don't have as good of a reputation will try to scramble into a program that has a stronger reputation, and they don't want that to happen. But you're right. I mean, statistically, the number of ENT residents who drop out in their intern year are less than a handful every year. Out of 300 spots, there's probably two or three. So the match contract that you sign says that you have to show up for 60 days of your intern year to not violate the contract. So technically you could, not that I'm advocating this because I don't know if it's in the spirit of the match, but you could reapply and then go to a different program, start over and not violate the match contract because you stayed at that program for the year. Yeah, and that, those were things that were hard for us to grapple with because we like to think that we, we have integrity and we didn't really want to do that to our programs. And yeah, last question. You guys are clearly young, do not have kids yet, and so this may be hard to think about, but if you have children and one of them comes up to you and says, you know, in the next 30 years, says, Mom, I want to be an otolaryngologist, what would you say to them about that? I read this question and my initial thought was, I have no idea. Uh, I thought this was a really challenging question. And then I thought about what my mom always says to me, and that is, network, network, network. And I come from a family of lawyers who are all about the networking. And I am, sorry, mom, not one of those people. But I think first, I would tell, you know, my child to explore all their options to make sure that they were really committed and that that is what they wanted to do. Because it is a long, hard road. And I think if you can see yourself being happy doing anything else, you know, as happy or happier, then I would encourage you to maybe not go down that path. But if that's what they're set on, and they're as strong headed as I am, then I would support them. But I would tell them, I think it's important to foster relationships with people in the department. Those are things that I found really helpful is kind of getting out there and networking and, you know, as uncomfortable as it is sort of just putting your foot in the door and, and asking the silly questions and finding out all the information and being as prepared as possible. Yeah, my parents are not networkers, but (laughs) I would concur with Libby's sentiment, really. I just, I think it's important to make sure it's what you want to do. I don't think I fully appreciated the length of this journey as a physician, and I can't imagine doing anything else at this point in my life, but there's a lot of things you can do with your life, and if this becomes your passion, then just keep going. Well, I really appreciate sharing your vulnerabilities and, you know, personal insights about the couple's match. I think this will be really helpful to students who are applying to get a perspective. So thank you so much for being part of the show. Thank you. 
If you like what you just heard, or didn't, please go to my show notes page to let me know your thoughts. There you will find a link to a brief survey so I can improve the quality of this podcast. I would greatly appreciate your help. Thank you.